It's time to play the show. The bell has rung, and that big show might be over. But it's time for us to bring wrestling information you can enjoy with the match predictions, analysis, the ups and downs of professional wrestling, all reaction, some beverage drinking to bring you logic on tap with your good brothers. It's time for you to look into the eyes of Howard Blues and the Mark Kidder on Beer, Blues, and BS. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special wrestling review edition of Beer, Blues, and BS. The podcast is coming at you like some sort of sidewalk slam. We're not exactly sure which sidewalk slam, but it kind of is a sidewalk slam. Bam! I'm your host, Howard Blues, here, as always, with my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, the Mark Kidder. Kidder, how you doing tonight? Well, Howie Blues, I just sat through five-plus hours-ish of wrestling. So, now we're going to sit through another hour of analysis. I'm okay, but you know... It's kind of a lot because as uh, you mentioned before, there are 15 matches. If you include the uh, buy-in or zero hour, as they called it this evening, the good news for you, I didn't take many notes because I was trying to set everything up and get the graphics all ready to go for our show here. So I didn't quite uh, have a hundred percent viewership on the buy-in i saw what happened and i was watching but kind of like an episode of smackdown i wasn't really paying attention yeah i uh kidder i well, i told you this in the pre-show but uh i i saw the number of uh, matches when you sent me the card earlier today and i i was already i was like i'm tapping i'm tapping i'm out <laughs> and i'm not even no- watching this show there's you no know. tapping out in analysis. Oh. It's worth a shot. You can't do that. You can't do that. No? Anybody? Well, okay, kidder. So I can't do that, but I can make a very simple and somewhat awkward transition into what's on tap because kidder 15 matches. We're going to need uh, to do some drinking. So, and, uh, Hey, because as I mean, if you're, if you're a local or a local, local sounds the right word, um, <laughs> loyal, loyal, there's, there's the word I'm looking for. Howard's running on four and a half hours of sleep and no caffeine. Um, <laughs> if you're a, loyal, be a good one, yeah, it will be. If you're a loyal viewer of beer blues and BS, uh, you probably noticed that, Hey, they just did a wrestling review show because for some reason, WWE and AEW decided to do back-to-back pay-per-views and uh, all of that. And so it, an effort to speed things up, much like I did last night. Kidder, I'm drinking a Bud Light, and that's all the analysis this needs. What do you have? Okay. In all fairness, there's only one pay-per-view this weekend. The Last night, it was a premium live event, which if you want a premium T-shirt, you can get your own at beerbluesbs.com. Just... Click on merch at the top of the page, please. Now, because I am thirsty already, and I feel like punishing myself a little bit more, 
This one comes direct to us from Des Moines itself. No, not the uh, beverage I'm going to have. It is not made in Des Moines. It was just purchased in Des Moines by a certain rude boy, Kyle. So uh, this what's on tap is from him because he said we needed to bring some of these back up this way. It's a Topo Chico hard seltzer spiked sparkling water exotic pineapple Ooh. Uh, naturally flavored with other natural flavors does that not seem like a redundant lesson in redundancy naturally flavored with other natural flavors uh, there's two grams of sugar in this 4.7 percent alcohol by volume it's gluten-free and added minerals for taste uh, Ball Corporation Aluminum, as we see on the back of the can. In crystal clear focus. Look at that. Sounds for you, Howard. Yeah. Um, it's a hard seltzer. It's apparently also made by the Coca-Cola company. <laughs> so there you go. Um, drink responsibly. Yeah, there's nothing really other else on there. But here's the, the best thing about this. It's a slim can. Got it in the slim can koozie because we can. <clears throat> Let's open this thing up because we have a little bit of uh, a ways to go. It smells very pineapple-y. I'll give them that. So maybe this was stored in a room full of pineapple. So it's not the worst seltzer I've ever had. I will say that right at the top of the taste, like right when you first hits your tongue, you get the pineapple and you're like, oh, this could be good. Perhaps like an ace pineapple ale. And then it just goes downhill from there. So let's get on with this thing. <clears throat> you, you know, Kidder, but what? before we do, um, but. I was just going to say, you know, man, if, if you are this desperate, I will go to Cashwise. I will get you the Black O'Lantern. I mean, no. No. Just, okay. just stop it. <laughs> this stop has become a thing head. now, you know. <laughs> this has become a thing. Well, there's there's going to be a thing, all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. The five fingers say to the face. Slap! <laughs> Uh, you know we should quickly probably explain this in case this is somebody's first time tuning in for one of these wrestling reviews here's how it goes kidder has watched the show i haven't watched the show because i have of you know kids and they demand all my attention and such so kidder has sat through the show i haven't but because we have been watching wrestling and pay-per-views and to lesser extent the live premium events for years we have developed a game where we take predictions and see who can get the most guesses right. Uh, we now have a, for those of you watching on YouTube, a fancy scoreboard that you can actually see and keep along as we play and see. Sometimes we, we bet on these things and the loser drinks weird stuff. At least we did it that one time. We might do it again. You know, people said that they enjoyed that particular bit of torture. Uh, Kidder is already locked in his picks. 
I have not. I get to call them live right before um, because I'm so busy. I haven't even seen a spoiler or anything. So it all works out in the wash. Um, also, because DraftKings has gotten into the whole professional wrestling betting, uh, sometimes we, I say sometimes because we didn't do it last night. Sometimes we will declare a match the screwy finish of the night. That's when there is clearly something that was done just to throw off the people betting in betting in Vegas. And that I mean, is your rundown. I'd say that was that was the main event last night. That mm. was a screwy finish. I I see. Mm-hmm. Good thing future Howard hasn't gotten that far in the editing and can edit that graphic in. <laughs> it's screwy enough to make it count. <clears throat> so. Are you ready for this? No, but we should start anyway. Okay. So, here we go. Again, tonight it was called Zero Hour, not the official buy-in. So, there's that. And on this, we had four matches. First one being six minutes in length. The second one being three minutes, 55 seconds. Third one, 12.25. And the fourth... 1325. Again, I didn't uh, quite watch uh, all of these uh, with 100%, but uh, we're going to just spit fire through them because that seems a lot more logistical course of action to do when we have 11 other main event matches, main show matches with a main event, you know. All right, so the first match. The Jericho Appreciation Society, represented by uh, Sammy Guevara and Ty Mello, the AAA World Mixed Tag Team Champions, against Ortiz and Ruby River 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 Soho. I picked uh, Sammy Guevara and Ty Mello to retain the championship. Mm. Mm. It's probably a good call. Probably a very good call on your part. Um, But, you know, tonight's not a night for good calls. I'll take Ruby Soho and whoever she's partnered with. Mm. Ortiz. Mm -hmm. I was was very much hoping for Ruby Soho and Ortiz to get it because uh, why not? But Sam McVar, Ty Mello pick up the victory in that six minutes for that match. Next on the card. Hook, the uh, cold-hearted, handsome devil versus Angelo Parker with Matt Menard. You know, two more members of the Jericho Appreciation Society. This one was for the FTW Championship and was three minutes, 55 seconds long. I chose Hook. I'm also going to choose Hook. And we were correct. Hook retains. (laughs) I got a point. There's number one. Next on the list, it is for the AEW All-Atlantic Championship. I almost said uh, something else, but I mean, it kind of wouldn't matter what country you said because the flags on there aren't all in the Atlantic area. So there's that. This one features Pac the Bastard. Uh, He is the 
current champion, against Kip Sabian. Uh, you may have seen the screenshots or video of a dude with a box on his head for like the past six months. Apparently, it's been Kip Sabian the whole time. Hmm. I, I don't, I don't get it. But whatever, it is what it is. So this match was 12 minutes, 25 seconds long, and I picked Pack. I'm uh, I'm right there with you. I will also choose Pack. Well, you bastard. That bastard won. Yes, Pack retains the All-Atlantic Championship. Finally, on the buy-in a la zero hour, a singles match featuring... Tomohiro Ishii and Eddie Kingston. This is the second in their match list. Uh, last one was in a non-AEW related show where uh, Tomohiro Ishii won. Uh, this one, I picked Tomohiro Ishii to win. Mm. Uh, I was also going to pick Ishii. When I glanced at the card, I was like, oh, Ishii's on this show? I'll choose him. I didn't even see who his opponent was, but <laughs> I'll, I'll take Ishii. Uh, this, uh, I mean, I saw bits and pieces of, of all of these and was listening to it and trying to process and went, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But, of course, not all of it stuck, you know, in one out the other. Uh, this one was pretty vicious. Uh, lots of chops. In fact, uh, Ishii had a bunch of blood blisters developing right, right in the corner of his uh, armpit there. But Eddie Kingston picks up the victory in 13 minutes, 25 seconds. Now, on to the main, main card for the show. <clears throat> Are you ready for the number one match? Yeah, I'll throw it at me. Okay. Coming to you from the now arena, not the yesterday arena, in Estates, Illinois, Oh, here it is. Hoffman Estates, Illinois, that is. <clears throat> here we go with AEW All Out. <clears throat> okay, the first one is the Casino Ladder Match. Uh, this one had uh, quite a few uh, people uh, to be known and potentially unknown because there was an unknown in there being the Joker. Now, officially in the card that was released earlier, there were uh, the following entrants. Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta, Penta El Zero Miedo, Ray Phoenix, Rush, Andrade El Idolo, and Dante Martin with the question mark being the unknown. I picked Andrade. I also did not add on to this match of who the question mark would be. So I kind of feel it's a missed opportunity, but eh. so I'll, uh, I'll let you throw out a, a potential person of who the question mark was. Hmm. Who the question mark was? Um, 
You know, I, I'm trying to think because a lot of what they have done in the past is they have made um, the Joker be kind of a new or a debut. You know, it's kind of a surprise uh, entrant. Um, I just don't know who would be debuting or would be a surprise in that case. So I really don't have like, I'm serious. My name is, my mind is drawn to blank. I'm like, <laughs> who's available? Who could mm-hmm. be it be? I'm like, sure. Like I got, I got, and, and it's made more difficult by a bunch of the guys who had just been let go by the WWE being re-signed by the WWE. So it's like, that doesn't help. Um, How about your pick? You know, I'm sitting here looking over the list thinking, hmm, who do I want to see to have a shot at the title? (sighs) It's kind of weird because Claudio and Wheeler Yuta are on the same team. Penta and Ray Phoenix tend to be on the same team. So some interesting things there. Um, But Claudio and Wheeler are also on John Moxley's team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, hmm. and Rush and Andrade are also part of the same team. Hmm. I mean, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of possibilities here. But you know what, Kidder? I because I can't decide. You know what? I'm going with the question mark. I'll take the <laughs> Joker in this. I'm going wild card on it. Mm, Why? Because okay. I got nothing to lose on this. Okay. So here we go. Uh, this match, by the way, was 14 minutes, 15 seconds, and I will make it a lot shorter than that. Entrance number one and number two, Wheeler Yuta and Rave Phoenix. Both men exchange chops in the middle of the ring. Phoenix sets up a ladder in the outside and is trying to set up a Rikishi driver from the top rope, but Yuta ends up shoving him off and follows that with a suicide dive. Number three comes on down to the ring, and that's Roosh. Uh, also, in case uh, you know you weren't aware with this, there's a giant poker chip that's being uh, suspended above the ring, and so it's basically a ladder match, except this is the poker chip and not a briefcase. And, you know, anytime that you get up there and grab it, you win. So, interestingly enough with this is the people in the match don't have to be introduced or be, I guess, legal at the time, if that makes sense. Like, uh, the first two or three people could be in there, and if you're number five, you can come out, set up a ladder, and try and get it. I don't know what kind of shenanigans that is, but it's some outside rule. Anyway, here we go. Uh, Roosh to Yuta with a belly to belly onto the ladder, and then a tope con from Phoenix. Number four entrant is Andrade. Roosh is in the ring by himself, waits for Andrade to get into the ring but neither go to get the chip. Kind of weird, right? So LFI toss both Yuta and Phoenix into ladders. They climb up ladders themselves, but Yuta is able to make the save there. 
There's a sunset flip power bomb by Andrade onto Yuta with the draped ladder. It looked like it hurt. Entrant number five now makes his way to the ring, and that is your Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, Claudio Castagnoli. Claudio throws some running European uppercuts and checks on Yuta, which is kind of interesting because they are, you know, in the same stable. So uh, now Andrade tries to climb up the ladder, but Claudio tosses him from the ladder to outside the ring. Dante Martin is your sixth entrant, comes on down. Dante Martin tosses Claudio to the outside, looks to follow, but Yuta sets up a ladder to climb for the chip. Monte, uh, Martin, that is, double jumps to the ladder, makes the save. Penta is your seventh entrant to the match. He comes running in, gives the running destroyer to uh, Dante Martin on the ramp. Ouch. Hits a sling blade to Rouge on the outside, and then a backstabber to Claudio by Penta. Andrade cuts Penta off, looks for a DVD on the ladder, draped on the outside, but that's the Death Valley driver, in case uh, you uh, weren't following along, and I forgot to mention that. <clears throat> uh, Penta counters into the Destroyer. Phoenix with a frog splash from the ring post to the outside through a table to Roosh. Yuta, Martin, and Claudio are climbing up the ladder, but a bunch of masked men throw them off. One of them climbs up the ladder and grabs the chip. The match is officially over, essentially. But now the Joker comes walking out in a mask. The guy who ran up to the top to grab the chip pulls the mask off. It's uh, Stokely. Remember the guy at uh, Stokely? He's been handing out business cards to like everybody in AEW. Manages Jade Cargill. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. Well, he is holding the chip. This uh, Joker... And the mask comes strolling out. Stokely hands him the chip. And here you go. Uh, the other masked people who came out to interfere pull their masks off. It's Ethan Page. The Gun Club, uh, as in the, uh, the Sons of Gun, uh, because Billy Gun is separated from them at the moment. And uh, Morrissey, you remember, because you can't teach that. Uh, the Joker is wearing a spiked horn demon mask that's silver and uh, the rest black. Again, takes the chip from Stokely and then allegedly officially wins the match, even though I claim that Stokely won the match because he technically grabbed the thing from the top. So, um, eh. What are your thoughts I, on the on the end there? I mean, because Stokely's the one who grabbed the damn thing. Yeah, although if he's not an official entrant, I could see that that, you know, wouldn't count. Because otherwise you would have other people. Like, I mean, WWV would have already exploited that mm -hmm. take of somebody not in the match running out and grabbing the briefcase and, and doing that. Um, I will say, Kidder... Um, 
and you, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong on this because uh, I haven't seen the whole car, you know, the whole event you have. But this sounds like a very strong candidate and is probably the screwy finish of the night. Because I, I don't know that you can have anything more screwy than this. Somebody coming out, grabbing the chip, and handing it over. I'm thinking. <clears throat> I'm thinking. Yes, I will go with it. All right. Wow. Match number one. Screwy finish of the night. Your DraftKings. Screwy finish of the night. Not officially brought to you by DraftKings. <laughs> Love that little asterisk on there. Wonderful. All right. So both of us, a big zero. I Next match. I said, the, I said the Joker. No, oh, uh, that's right. I hear... Uh, all right. <clears throat> well, let's continue on. Uh, next match is the Elite, as in Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, with Brandon Cutler and Michael Nakazawa versus the Dark Order, Alex Reynolds, John Silver, and Hangman Adam Page. This for the inaugural crowning of the AEW World Trios Championship. 19 minutes, 50 seconds long. I chose the Elite. I was going to choose the Elite as well, because when AEW uh, started up, the Elite kind of did this really kind of classy thing of not being the first champions. You know, nothing better than them. Because they could have. It's like, hey, we're going to be the inaugural champions in our company, but they, they weren't. So being that this is a new set of titles, this is kind of a nice way that they could do that. So I I was going to choose the Elite. Okay. So Elite and Elite. Again, 19 minutes, 50 seconds long. <clears throat> Here we go. Grab a beverage. Hangman and Nick Jackson start. There's a shoulder block by Page as both men trade some empty lariats and cartwheels yes very very athletic matt jackson and alex reynolds are now in and they're trading headlock takeovers matt then disrespects reynolds and reynolds responds with a double leg and you know a little ground and pound page comes in jaws with matt before kenny tags in the arena goes a little bit nuts Omega muscles Page into Page's own corner, which allows John Silver to make the blind tag and attack Kenny Omega from the back. There's a trouble, double top jeepers, double drop toe hold. I need another drink by John Silver and Reynolds and a double drop kick on top of that. Now, Silver focuses on the arm of Omega before Page tags himself in and pulls Silver off Omega's injured arm. Omega takes advantage and delivers some chops to Page, but Page responds with a big boot and a follow-away slam. Double jump lariat to Omega, but Matt Jackson catches him with the anti-air super kick. Sent on to a draped Page by Nick and a twisting placenta to Silver and Reynolds. I said placenta. It's not a placenta. It's a, a planca. Is it time to go to bed yet? Are we done with this? I, no. You know, yet. Kidder, they could 
somebody listening could easily start their own drinking game. Every time either Howard or Kidder misspeaks, take a drink. I mean, that would be like the uh, Triple B home game. That'd be good. We should start that. Or maybe like local geek, he can start that. He seems to be into drinking. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, big savage elbow now. The tribute to the macho man. Off the top rope by Matt. And then gets two count on Hangman. Another fist drop combo by the Bucks as Nick gets the tag. Drop toe hold by Matt onto Nick's knee. And a Kitaro crusher by Kenny Omega to Paige. Then uh, the You Can't Escape by Kenny gets reversed by Hangman. And uh, then he plants him with the Death Valley driver. Silver is now in and clears the ring because Johnny Hungy. The uh, as we continue, uh, Silver goes nuts on Matt, a running European by Cutler, and a big boot to Nakazawa, and then a brainbuster and suicide dive combo by the Dark Order to Nick on the outside, which is a pretty cool spot. The spin doctor to Matt by Silver, then a two count. Double suplex attempt by Dark Order, but Matt Jackson reverses with the double Northern Lights suplex before taking in Kenny Omega. Crossbody to Silver. Snapdragon to Reynolds. Another Snapdragon over to Hangman. Now a Snapdragon and the, on Silver. And the Dark Order catches Kenny in the corner with some lariats. An Enziguri and Stunner and German suplex combo. Mm-hmm. Jackknife cover by Reynolds, another two count. Super kicks by the Bucks to Hangman's and Reynolds. A V trigger to Silver, and then a Terminator takes everyone out on the outside. Moonsault by Hangman takes out Nick on the outside as the Dark Order get back into the ring. A pendulum bomb by the Dark Order, but Nick Jackson breaks up the pinfall by a senton. A running knee into the corner by Nick to John Silver. Reynolds and Silver in the box super kick each other, and now everybody is down on the ground. Omega and Hangman are now face-to-face, but neither man's legal, so the refs uh, start you know, kicking them out because uh, they're not the legal people. Omega and Hangman each drag their fallen partner to the corner and tag themselves in. People start getting a little crazy in the arena. There's a big boot by Hangman, a V-trigger by Omega, J-driller by Omega. One, two, nope, not quite yet. Omega goes up to the top, Page follows. There's a back flip fallaway slam by Hangman to Omega off the top. Buckshot to the back of Omega's head. Hangman looks for the buckshot on Omega, but Matt distracts him and Omega falls. As Nick comes in with a buckshot from behind to Hangman. The BTE trigger. Reynolds makes a save. Super, super close. Two count. Silver rolls up Omega from from behind for another close two count there. A V trigger by Omega. One winged angel, but Silver ends up rolling through for another very close two count. The crowd keeps going nuts, pushing the match even farther. Hangman looks for a buckshot, but Omega ducks and Silver gets blasted. Hangman then gets thrown to the outside. Omega makes the cover. One, 
two, there's three. The winners and the new AEW World Trios champions, the Elite. <sighs> Hangman looked like he, he had got blown up, too. Howard's thoughts. Howard's first thought is that he dropped his pen. Um, uh, but otherwise, um, I mean, it sounds like this wasn't too... Uh, too terrible of a of a match, um, and, and kind of what I would expect from the participants involved. I mean, Hangman is a great worker. Um, the Bucks with them in there, you know, there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of spots, a lot of stunt spots, and you know, Omega kind of back in his first big match. I'm I'm sure he really wanted to show off what he could do and that he was back at full health. So um, definitely had all of the right elements to make a good, a good match. So huh, sounds like this was a decent one. Mm -hmm. And again, that match was 19 minutes, 50 seconds of the card. Next on the list, match number three is for the AEW TBS championship. Jade Cargill versus Athena, I chose Jade Cargill. Yeah, that seems like a safe bet since she's still, I believe, undefeated. So, thirty-six and zero going into this. Yeah, I would go with her. It's been five hundred uh, <clears throat> days that uh, she's apparently been uh, undefeated. I believe. All right, <clears throat> so this match was, if I look on my sheet over here, 4 minutes, 20 seconds. So Athena uh, starts out pretty hot, hits a huge meteora, and then the eclipse. Now, uh, the baddies, I forgot to mention that uh, on here. As I go back to my sheet, uh, Kira Hogan and uh, Leela Gray were also out there for this. Um, and then Red Velvet was there, and it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, so the baddies seem like they're supposed to break up, uh, you know, the t uh, tag, but uh, Jade does kick out on her own in this one. Uh, there's a shotgun drop kick to Red Velvet on the outside. Back in, a pop-up Samoan drop by Jade, and then a spear by Jade, a two-count, the Beal by Jade, a springboard crossbody by Athena, then gets a two count. Another eclipse by Athena as she attempts that but gets blocked. Athena instead hits a super kick. And then Athena hits a stunner, another two count. Athena goes up, but uh, Kira Hogan distracts her and gets kicked for her troubles. Athena looks for another springboard crossbody, but Jade catches her. With the pump kick in midair, hits jaded. One, two, three. There it is. Your winner, Jade Cargill. 37 and 0. This seems like this is a fairly predictable match, and therefore, I don't know, not that interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I, Athena, when she used to wrestle in the WWE as Ember Moon, I always liked her. I thought she did 
well. I just don't think she ever got a great push when she left NXT. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I, if my memory serves right, she hasn't been in AEW all that long. And it's probably been over four months by now. Yeah. And it's just a little early to be getting a title shot. I almost think they don't know what to do with Jade because they're making her very powerful and you know not saying that she's not powerful because she can still kick everybody and anybody but i think her longest match is like eight minutes long so it's kind of uh, the goldberg effect it seems yeah and i mean it, it's all right to do that but you, you gotta have the right payoff you know it because everybody can remember when Goldberg finally lost his title, and it it was stupid the way that it happened, and people were upset and mad. You have to do these things in the right way, and you need the right person who's going to be able to do it. And one of the things that I would say is a critique of AEW is they really haven't done much with their women's division. So I don't know. I don't know who you're going to bring in to fill this role of taking out Jade Cargill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a side note with the women's division. Uh, if you remember Tyson Kidd from WWE, who's married to Natalia, mm-hmm. he, uh, of course, was injured in 2015 and uh, unable to wrestle anymore, which uh, I guess he's okay with. He just uh, had posted a few things about being okay with never wrestling again. And on top of that, uh, he had a settlement from WWE in the 10 to $25 million range and now has a $125,000 per year contract with a no-cut clause. And he's been doing work with the women's division for a couple of year, a year or two now. So good for him. Sad that he can't wrestle anymore. Yeah. It's yeah. also why Samoa Joe got punished a lot because Samoa Joe was the uh, one who delivered the move that basically finished Tyson's career. Mm. But that's uh, neither here nor there because we're talking AEW tonight. <clears throat> All right. Match number four. This one features uh, for nothing. A six man tag team match. Wardlow with FTR versus the Motor City Machine Guns and Jay Lethal. Uh, 16 minutes, 30 seconds with this one because I have really come to love FTR. I went with Wardlow and FTR. I, I was going to say, I'm a big FTR fan. Um, from the time that I got introduced to them back when they were at NXT. So, you know, I'm picking FTR. So, <laughs> okay, off we go. So this is a, a kind of a nice feel good moment right away because Dax's daughter is with the good guys, at the apron, uh, lethal and Wardlow end up starting the match after they uh, get things going. Jay lethal spits on Wardlow and lethal uses his speed to evade a lot of Wardlow's angry attacks. Dax and Saban are now legal at this point, and, uh, <clears throat> well, not too bad. 
arm rigger by Dax, but Saban rolls out, hits an arm drag. Both men exchange a bunch of slaps, and now it's FTR versus MCMG. The shoulder blocks by Dax and some hard right hands. Shelly gets dropped as well. Now, uh, the short arm clothesline sends Saban to the outside. Shelly distracts Dax, which allows Saban to hit the cutter. Dax fights back with some heavy chops and uh, back suplex before tagging in cash. Assisted leg drop by FTR, two count. The European uppercut by cash and Wardlow gets the tag. MCMG now try to suplex Wardlow, but get reversed, and Wardlow suplexes both of them. A tag to Dax, but Shelley distracts the referee, allows Jay Lethal to thrust kick Dax. Now a Manhattan drop and a drop kick to the knee with a roll through basement drop kick by MCMG. Lethal's now in, and the uh, bad guys have cut off the ring and isolated Dax. There's a bunch of quick tags as Dax fights out, and he's finally able to get across the ring and tag in cash. There's a knee lift to Shelly, short arm lariat to Shelly, a two count. Sliced bread attempt by Shelly, but it gets reversed into a gory bomb for a two count. Saban's now in, breaks up the pin, and allows Shelly to drop kick Cash's leg. Jay Lethal's now in with a figure four is applied with a bunch of woos. Cash gets to the uh, ropes, but the damage has been done. Lethal and Wardlow get in there. They're legal now, and Wardlow has spinebustered pretty much anyone and everyone who's opposing him. An F10 by Wardlow to Jade Lethal, a two count. MCMG pull FTR off the apron and hit stereo super kicks. I mean, who do they think they are? The Elite? Anyway, Wardlow grabs MCMG, but Singh hits him with a right hand that drops him. Here's a two count by Lethal. Saban hits a suicide dive, takes out FTR on the uh, outside of the ring. Wardlow is in the tree of woe at this point as MCMG and Lethal hit three sliding drop kicks in a row. Jay Lethal goes up on top, hits the savage elbow. One, two, oh, that's a quick two count. FTR gets back in, slingshot powerbomb by Dax to Saban, and then a big rig to FTR. From uh, over to Shelly there. So Shelly got the uh, full brunt of that big rig. Double lethal injection to FDR by Lethal. But there's a quick lariat by Wardlow. Powerbomb to Jay Lethal. And then, well, Jay Lethal gets a number one, another one that is. And then, well, Jay Lethal gets picked up and powerbombed again. So. He gets three, and then, well, he gets picked up, and he gets powerbombed again. So, there, yes, there's four power bombs. A one, two, three. Wardlow gets the pin. FTR and Wardlow pick up the victory on this match. Uh, as I was throwing out a bunch of the other names there that uh, I we, of course, didn't talk about. First of all, Wardlow and FTR of Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood versus Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns, who are Chris Sabin and Alex Shelley. They also had Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt at ringside. 
So now you have all the names of the eight people who were at ring uh, ringside there. I should say nine because Dax's daughter was there and uh, she actually ended up getting the pin. So that was a nice uh, little moment there. So, uh, <clears throat> your quick thoughts. Uh, sounds like a decent match. So, but I mean, it's it's hard to have a bad match with FTR, you know, in the ring. And it doesn't surprise me that they use this as another opportunity to make Wardlow look like a powerhouse. I, I think they are really building him to eventually. I, I, Give it a year or a couple of years, and I'm sure you will see Wardlow as the main title holder. I think they're really working on making that kind of push and kind of building him up already. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so as they're finishing this up, it just so happened that uh, Sanjay Singh and uh, Motor City Machine Guns were in the ring, and they were running their mouths to everybody. And some music starts playing. Bob, 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 Bob. Up, oh, Samoa Joe. There he is. He comes on out. And uh, there's been some bad blood between those guys and Samoa Joe. So Joe gets in the ring and hits uh, Sing with the belt. Because if you remember, Samoa Joe is a Ring of Honor, uh, something or other champion. Um, television champion, I believe. Uh, and then Dax's daughter, Finley, is there, like I mentioned uh, before. Sanjay's in the ring begging for mercy with Joe. Finley ends up slapping his pencil as Dax drops him with a right hand. Finley puts her foot on Sanjay, and then the ref counted to three on him as well. And Samoa Joe got busted open on his forehead, and he was laughing. All right. On to the next one, match number five. It's absolute Ricky Stocks and Powerhouse Hobbs. This match, five minutes, five seconds. For this one, I went with uh, my boy from New Orleans, Ricky Stocks. Mm. You know, I... uh don't really have a feeling on like either of these guys or storyline or anything. So, well, they used to uh, be friends. They used to be part of Taz's stable. They were best buds. And then uh, in the promo, I was never your friend. That's what powerhouse Hobbs said to Ricky Starks. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, (laughs) like an Andy W storyline, you know what? We're 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 tied right now, points wise. So I'll take Powerhouse Hobbs. We'll break the tie. Somebody's taking the lead in this match. There, I actually made this match interesting. Okay, I won't wait too much longer. I was going to wait to see how long you hold that. All right, here we go. Stock starts out hot, but Hobbs hits a body block that stops Starks in his tracks. Hobbs quickly focuses his attacks on the neck and dumps Starks to the outside. Hobbs tosses Starks into the guardrail upside down and then throws him back into the ring. Hobbs 
delivers some forearms and a big boot that drops Starks. Stark sidesteps a charging Hobbs and beats on Hobbs into the corner. There's a flying back elbow by Starks and a flying tornado DDT two count. Starks flips out of a back body drop attempt, hits the ropes hard, looking for the spear, but Hobbs grabs him, plants him with a spine buster. One, two, three, it's over. Powerhouse Hobbs picks up the victory in a very, very quick, quick match. All right, we're done with that. Next on the card, it's uh, for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. And this is Swerve in Our Glory. That's Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland versus the acclaimed Anthony Bowens and Max Caster, accompanied by Mr. Ass, Daddy Ass himself, Billy Gunn. I picked uh, Swerve in Our Glory to retain. Gotta make that sure. was also who I was looking to go with just because I don't know. I, I, I know I don't watch AEW on the regular, but the acclaimed see they just I don't know, they don't seem like a uh a team that's worthy of the title. You know, they seem more like a comedy act. Hmm. They are. But interestingly, interestingly enough, they have the most wins of a t any tag team in AEW. Hmm. Well, I could be wrong on this one, but I'll, I'll stick with Swerve. Okay. So here we go. This uh, match was 22 minutes, 30 seconds. <sighs> All right. <clears throat> Max Caster, uh, as you know, they rap as they come out to the ring. And uh, usually they are hilarious. So they refer to Keith Lee as Lizzo. And uh, they have uh, the crowd getting behind the acclaimed. Because, you know, Keith Lee's got the O basking in his glory to the uh, White Stripe Seven Nation Army, you know, over and over. Well, yeah, they happen to start something tonight. Oh, scissor me, daddy. Oh, scissor me, daddy. So, yes, that uh, that was hilarious. And it went on through a lot of the match, which was great. So, here we go. It's Bones and Swerve starting out the match. There's a quick roll-up by Bones, but Swerve picks the leg and tags Lee. Caster is in now, tries a shoulder block but no avail. Caster flips out of a bail attempt and delivers the little Guerrero shimmy. Drop down and leapfrog by Keith Lee after Caster hits the ropes, and Caster doesn't like that. Drop kick by Caster, followed by a diving Hurricane Rana from the middle rope. Drop kick by Caster to Lee, by Bowens to Swerve, and a double drop kick by the acclaimed to Swerve in our glory. Oh, scissor me, daddy. And then, well, look at this. Scissor me, daddy ass. Because uh, now they got Billy Gunn around and they're going for that. So champs start uh, getting a little bit of action again. Lee's back inside. Now he's pissed. Hits a body block on a prone caster from behind. And then 
the crowd started chanting, you can't scissor. You can't scissor. Swerve is now, this is just a shit show. Uh, he hits a diving European uppercut before taunting Bowens on the outside. Swerve holds Castro in the corner. Tags Lee who delivers two giant upper hand chops. Lee puts Castro on the top rope, but Castro is able to push Lee off and hit a diving cutter from the second rope. Bones and Swerve are in now as Bowens hits a pair of clotheslines before a ripcord diving neckbreaker. Brainbuster by Bowens. Two count. Big boot by Bowens who tries to come off the top rope, but he slips. Rough rider by Bowens as both men are now down to the referee and daddy ass are checking on Bowens. Swerve tosses Bowens hard to the outside and tells Acid Caster to suck it. I seem to think that might be trademarked by somebody else. Swerve calls an audible, focuses the attack on Bowen's knee. Double team assist, knee breaker <clears throat> by Swerve in our glory. By Bowen's and the uh, crowd now is uh, even more invested. They're getting going. Body splash by Lee to Bowen's injured leg. Uh, if you remember, Bowen's was out for quite a while, had to have uh, some knee surgery, and uh, that's when the gun club and the acclaimed were kind of paired together to uh, give them all something to do. Now a running avalanche in the corner by Lee and another double upper hand chop at this time to Bowens. A huge bail to Bowens by Lee. Bowens comes off the second turnbuckle with a blockbuster. Caster's now in. Caster clears the ring, takes out Swerve with a dive to the outside. A diving crossbody off the top rope by Caster to Lee. Quick two count. Running elbows in the corner now is Lee and uh, Caster. They're trying to get Lee up into a fireman's carry, but can't. Pounce by Lee, but Caster moves. Lee destroys Swerve. Sliding knee by Bowens and uh, another two count on Lee. A headbutt by Lee to Caster. Lee kicks Bowens' leg from underneath him. Lee heads up to the top rope, and then guess what? There's Caster. Bones and Caster with a double-team superplex to Keith Lee as Swerve makes a blind tag to Lee as he goes over. Swerve lands the Swerve stomp to Bowens, then puts a half-crab with vicious head stomps to Bowens, who's uh, about to tap, but here comes Caster with a springboard missile drop kick to Swerve's head. Caster's now in. Swerve hits a running back kick, but Caster gets a two count. Swerve looks for the springboard from the outside, but Bowens trips him up. Bowens holds Swerve off from the apron. Caster comes off the top with a mic drop. Lee is back in now, but Daddy Ass gets in his face. The super kick by Caster, the FU by Caster to Lee, and now Bowens is in. The arrival by Bowens, and Caster comes off the top with the mic drop. Lee almost, almost didn't make it to break up the three count. The, court, uh, the, the, the crowd was actually chanting bullshit because it was so close. Because <laughs> they saw apparently three count. But it was two. It was only two. Now, Swerve is on the apron, hits the death Valley driver to Caster. <clears throat> Bowens is the legal man now. Swerves attacks his knee, and then there's a miscommunication. Swerve kicks Lee in the face. 
There's a two count, very close to two count. Twisting DDT by Bones to Swerve. Bones looks for her can run on Lee, but Lee holds on to Swerve and, uh, well, Swerve or holds on to him and Swerve comes out of nowhere. And then Swerve in our glory. There it is. Now, one, two, and three. The winners and still the AEW with the tag team champions, the Swerve in our glory team. Mm-hmm. The uh, acclaimed were were uh, cheered quite heavily. It sounds like that. It actually kind of surprises me as uh, you uh, kind of went through this uh, match because, as I said, I, to me, they seemed more like a, a comedy act, more you know, and, and not like the comedy act that I'm used to with tag teams. Where they don't get much of anything for a, a shot, you know. Mm-hmm. It it's it's more of you know, it's it's more for kind of the comedic interest. Like when you had Hook and, and um Danhausen. Danhausen. You <laughs> Hookhausen. Know, right. Yeah, I mean it, it it's it's there more for the the comedic appeal of it. It's not like you ever expect them to have a run with the titles. Yeah. So and they won, but of course, you know, not gonna win the titles. Right, and, and so that's kind of the the thing with this. So, I, I'm a colored me surprised on this one, Kidder. I mean, the outcome is what I predicted, but I, I'm surprised at just kind of how over it sounds like they got um, and were mm-hmm. in this match. They were quite over, <clears throat> and that match again, 22 minutes and 30 seconds, which was the second longest match on the card. Okay, next on the docket for tonight, it's a fatal four-way. It's to determine the interim AEW Women's World Champion. And this features Tony Storm, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, with Rebel, Jamie Hayter, and Hikaru Shida. I picked uh, Tony Storm to win this match. I, I was also going to go with Tony Storm, um, mostly because I, if I'm not mistaken, Kidder, in kind of the build before Thunder Rosa got injured, they were kind of building towards Tony Storm versus Thunder Rosa. So that was the original match for tonight because Tony is the number one contender, and even though uh, Tony and and Thunder Rosa were uh, tagging together. And Team Thunderstorm. Bad. That's right up there with damage control. That's a terrible name. (laughs) Terrible. Well, I'm happy to share it with you. (laughs) So, eh. Who's your pick? (laughs) I I said Tony Storm. Okay. That's Tony Storm. Because you want Thunderstorm to win. Thunderstorm. Because it's uh, thunder and and storm. All right, so uh, let's get this thing rolling. Uh, It was 14 minutes, 20 seconds on the match. 
and here we go. Drop kick by Storm down Hater to start. Baker trips up Storm and pulls her outside before Sheeta makes the save. All four women trade pinning combos before Hater grabs a single leg crab on Sheeta. Storm then locks on the octopus hold on Hater. Well, Hater has the single leg crab on Storm. Baker makes a save and uh, catches Sheeta with a sling blade. Another sling blade to Storm. A rolling elbow by Hater to Sheeta, followed by some forever uppercuts to Sheeta and Storm. Double suplex by Hater to both Sheeta and Storm as Hater finishes with the double lariat. Storm dumps Hater to the outside and follows up with a low flying tope suicida. Sling blade by Baker on the outside catches Storm off guard. Sheeta then tosses Baker into the guardrail. Storm and Sheeta are now in the ring, and uh, the friends finally face off. Tilt the world backbreaker by Storm, counter by Sheeta, who rolls through in an, into an arm drag. Both women trade shoulder blocks now as Sheeta resorts to fists. Rebel comes into the ring now, and both women drop her with a headbutt. It was a very weak-ass headbutt, and it looked like they headbutted her boobs, but it was a headbutt nonetheless. Baker and Hater now attack from behind and put the boots to storm. Hater picks up Sheeta in a fireman's carry all the way up the ramp and wham onto the ramp. It looked pretty bad. Baker curb stomps Sheeta, and the doctors actually come out and carry Sheeta away. Back in the ring, it's two-on-one, but Storm's working to fight back. A diving crossbody by Storm to Hater, but Baker makes a save before she could do any more damage. Storm tries to fight back, but she's outnumbered as Storm and Hater deliver a snap suplex. Sheeta comes running back out of the, of the ramp with two kendo sticks, and she lays the wood <laughs> to Hater and Baker. Sheeta goes up top. Delivers 10 mounted punches to both women. Sheeta does a snap suplex to Baker onto the buckle where Hater is seated in the corner. Then a deadlift suplex from the outside in to Hater. The question mark kick to Sheeta to Hater. From Sheeta to Hater, that is. An Uranagi backbreaker to Storm by Hater. Hater and Baker then both roll up Sheeta. Storm makes the save there. All four women are now trading elbows in the center of the ring. Sheeta and Hater lay out their opponents before Sheeta does the deal. Falcon arrow to Hater, but Storm breaks it up with a German suplex to Sheeta. A tombstone by Hater to Storm. It looked pretty rough. A meteora by Sheeta to Hater. A super kick now by Baker to Sheeta. Twisting neckbreaker to Sheeta by Baker, and then a curb stomp. One, two, that's a close two count. Baker puts on the glove, mm -hmm. but Storm dumps her to the outside as Hater hits the Rainmaker. Another two count. Baker pulls the referee out as Hater was about to get the three count. Hater's pissing out at uh, Baker. And uh, Baker is like, I'm, you know, sorry, I got to do what I got to do, kind of thing. Storm hits the Storm Zero to Hater. Baker rolls in, tosses Storm, gets the two count. That's a, a very, very, very close two count. 
Baker looks for the lockjaw storm, catches her with the tornado DDT, and again, another tornado DDT to Hater. One, two, and three. Your winner and new AEW interim women's world champion is Tony Storm. Uh, Jamie Hayter was getting a huge pop from the crowd this match. Like, I've never heard such a huge pop for her, and I don't really know why. I I couldn't tell you why, Gitter. Um, I I. I don't know. I haven't seen or heard anything that would make me think that she was rising in the ranks, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, doesn't sound like a terrible, you know, favorite way. So, yeah. So there's that. <clears throat> All right. Match number eight. This match was uh, with Christian Cage and Jungle Boy. And Jungle, Jungle Boy said that he was coming out as uh, his actual name. But anyway, I picked uh, Christian. Christian Cage to win this match. Uh, I know that they have uh, stated that they they kind of uh, will see Jungle Boy eventually becoming, you know, champion in the company, you know, he's, he's one of their kind of grown talent. Um, so you know what? I'll pick jungle boy. I say the push starts tonight. They haven't beat Christian cage. Uh, Jack Perry as well. That's his actual name. He is the son of deceased actor, Luke Perry. I actually knew that. A side note reminder. So this match was 20 seconds long and here we go. Christian uh, enters the arena first and goes over to Jungle Boy's mom and sister who are ringside. And uh, his mom, Rachel, slaps Christian in the face. So uh, Jungle Boy's music hits and uh, he starts coming out. And uh, he's looking around because I guess Luchasaurus is supposed to be there. But uh, Luchasaurus comes out of the... uh, the heel tunnel comes over to Jungle Boy, choke slams him on the pyro grid, the steel corrugated piece. It looked like that some bitch hurt. So then Luchasaurus picks him up and hits the dinosaur's edge through a table just to the side of that before picking him up and then basically taking him to the ring and dumping him next to the ring. Uh, Jungle Boy finally, you know, gets up, gets into the corner of the ring, and uh, Aubrey, the ref, Aubrey Edwards, was like, you don't have to do this, and Jungle Boy's like, I'm fine, I'm going to do this. He gets up to his feet, rings the bell, Start the match, and Christian comes flying in with a spear, pins him, two count. Yes, a kick out. And then Christian picks him up, hits the kill switch. One, two, and three. Your winner in 20 seconds there is Christian Cage. A side note, it's kind of been interesting because uh, Luchasaurus has been good guy, bad guy. 
good guy, bad guy. Who do you think he is, Big Show? I, you know, I don't have much to say, Gitter. Um, it was twenty seconds. I got it wrong. That's one match that you can actually watch, though. You have time for. <laughs> I do have time for that match. I, I could, I let, I could pencil that one in. Yeah, let's pencil it in. Okay. Next on the docket, it's match number nine, and this features uh, the Dragon, something or other, Brian Danielson, and uh, Lionheart Chris Jericho. Uh, this, I went with nobody, because I didn't pick one. <laughs> no, you didn't. Interesting. Well, well my thought no point. was Chris Jericho, because leading into this, he has lost about, I don't know, 70% of the time. I was going to pick Daniel. Because he's your boy. Exactly. Exactly. So, but uh, we won't assign any points to this one, Kidder. So, it's all okay. right. We'll, we'll just, we'll keep the tie going. Okay. We'll keep it going. <clears throat> all right. So, uh, this match... Uh, was the longest match, 23 minutes, 40 seconds, just edging out uh, the other one. What was that? The um, tag match? No, it was tw yeah. 22 minutes. Yeah, so this is the longest match of the night. All right. On his way out to the ring first is Chris Jericho. Of course, uh, Judas starts first, the lead up to it, and then switches to White Zombie which, uh, as you uh, remember, in his Lionheart days back in the day, that's what he used to enter the ring. Uh, Regal comes out, joins commentary, and now uh, Brian Danielson's turn to head on out to the ring. And uh, Brian Danielson isn't anywhere seen. This uh, like skinny dude comes walking out without a shirt. Got some chains on. He's got a microphone. Uh, turns out he's the dude who sings the words in Brian Danielson's theme song that you can never understand or care about and don't need to be there. But apparently they're buddies. Brian Danielson got his little entrance sang. <clears throat> so, as you know, this match is going to be a schlobber knocker. Here we go. Danielson and Jericho exchange a bunch of heavy chops right away. And uh, Danielson's got that. Uh, I'm kind of enjoying this look. So now uh, Jericho and Danielson start getting uh, more vicious with the chops. Danielson continues to try and shake it off. Danielson gets a takedown into a mountain, uh, looks for some palm strikes, but instead gets off of Jericho just to let him know the position he was in. Jericho looks for the uh, deep cradle, but Danielson rolls through into a surfboard with a nose grip, but can't lock it up. So Danielson gets double his weight on the back of Jericho's legs. Jericho looks for the guillotine choke, but Danielson pops his head out and delivers a little bit of ground and pound with some elbows. A side Russian leg sweep by Jericho, and Jericho swings his leg over into a double arm bar. Danielson with an Indian death lock now, but Jericho's able to escape that. 
Jericho is up at this point, lays into Danielson with some more chops before catching Danielson with a double underhook backbreaker. Danielson's on his knee, and Jericho is slapping him in the face. Danielson crosses his legs and asks for some more, and Jericho hits him with some more. Jericho's now uh, with a running elbow strike that sends Danielson to the outside of the ring. Jericho looks for the plancha on the outside, but Danielson catches him with a kick to the midsection. A running knee off the apron by Danielson. Danielson sends Jericho back into the ring before coming off the top rope with a shotgun drop kick. <clears throat> now, uh, Jericho grabs a hold of a leg and attempts the, the lion tamer, but Danielson's able to get out. Some more yes kicks by Danielson in the corner. Danielson sits Jericho on the top rope and attempts a hurricane run up, but Jericho holds on, jumps off the top rope, and sits down into the walls of Jericho. Danielson sneaks out the back door, grabs a cradle for a two count. Jericho rolls to the outside. Danielson follows with a tope suicida. Jericho is placed in the corner of the, the two-railing area, and Danielson lays into Jericho's chest with more chops and kicks. Danielson goes back into the ring, but now gets crotched up top. Jericho heads up to the top, tries the Frankensteiner. Danielson shoves Jericho off and comes off the top with a headbutt, but he missed. Jericho is looking for a lion salt, but Danielson gets his knees up. A catapult by Jericho as Danielson skins the cat, but walks into a tombstone attempt. Both men trade reversals, but Jericho winds up landing the tombstone, followed by the lion salt. A quick two count there, then a running punt by Jericho. Judas effect attempt by Danielson but he kicks the elbow, a high kick by Danielson, and uh, he keeps, keeps kicking and kicking and kicking Jericho. Now wrist control and head stomps by Danielson, grabs him in the label lock. Jericho looks for the ropes, but Danielson traps the far arm, rolls Jericho through to the other side, far away from the ropes. Jericho's inching toward the ropes, but Danielson again counters that. Jericho rolls on top and delivers some 12-6 elbows. The walls of Jericho's now locked in. Danielson rolls onto his shoulder, hits Jericho with some up kicks before locking in a triangle choke. Jericho gets over to the ropes and drapes Danielson neck first in the break. Code breaker by Jericho in a two count. Line tamer by Jericho with the knee in the back of the neck by Danielson. Danielson bridges out, barely gets to the bottom rope. A German suplex by Jericho, but Danielson ends up landing on his feet. Psycho knee by Danielson, another two count. Cattle mutilation. Jericho turns to his side, but Danielson remains in control and rains down the hammer and anvil elbows. The cattle mutilation is locked in again. Jericho's boot touches the rope, and Danielson got to break break that hold. Jericho won't let go of the rope, so Danielson kicks his back until the five count. But they don't call the five count, just so you know. A roll-up by Jericho, two count. Rolling elbow by Danielson and some more handvil, hammer and anvil elbows. Jericho low-blows low Danielson behind the referee's back. 
hits the Judas effect. One, two, and three. There it is. The uh, Lionheart, Chris Jericho, picking up the victory over Brian Danielson. Uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society also came out to celebrate without Garcia, who was seen in the back watching on the monitor. 23 minutes, 40 seconds. There you go. I need a drink. Yeah, after that, describing that match, yes, I would say you you, you deserve a drink, kidder. Oh, uh, sounds like sounds like a good one and one that I might want to try and check out. Um, sounds like these guys really put on a show. So it was probably uh, one of the better matches I'd want to see. The next match on the card, number ten. You know what that means? We only have two left. Only two. I know that's crazy. Orion's even excited. What'd you say? I didn't say anything. Anyway, it's uh, <clears throat> the next match, and uh, this is a six-man tag team match featuring the House of Black, which is Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews with Julia Hart. And on the other side of that, it's Darby Allen, Sting, and Miro. I went with the House of Black. Uh, again, I was going to go with House of Black because Malachi Black, I... I've been a fan of his for a long time. So, yeah. Okay. Well, there it is. The picks are locked in. The match was 12 minutes, 10 seconds, and here we go. <sighs> Miro and Malachi. Yes, Malachi. Start. For some reason, I was thinking something else, like his old WWE name. <laughs> <clears throat> Miro does a bull rush to Black and stomps him in the corner until Brody King comes in. King and Miro now square off, and uh, it's interesting because you know how big Miro is, and Brody King is like a lot bigger than him. It's kind of weird. Uh, anyway, Black's now in control, hits a strike combo. Murphy tags in. Miro catches Murphy, tosses him with an overhead belly to belly. There's a sidewinder slam by Miro to Matthews as Miro's ignoring Darby's tag request. Darby was sitting there, his hand out, trying to get tagged in. Miro was ignoring it. A jawbreaker by Matthews as Darby now tags himself in. Coffin splash, but Matthews ends up catching him and then hits him with a spinning back kick. Darby looks for a code red now until Black steps in and high kicks Darby Onto Matthews. A running soccer kick by Black to Darby. Two count. King's in and he uh, <clears throat> uh, bails Darby into the middle buckle. Again, King sits Darby on top of the rope only to chop him off onto the floor. Darby gets tossed face first onto the guardrail and then again and then again because, you know. Let's throw Darby around like he's a ragdoll. Black's now in, and uh, both men meet in the middle with double elbow strikes. Matthews comes in with some uh, the uh, chops to Darby. A pop-up knee strike by Matthews. Darby makes the tag, but the referee didn't see it. Mm -hmm. Darby finally gets the tag uh, to Sting. 
Stinger splash to Matthews. And then, well, Sting sends King into Ma uh, Matthews, who's in the corner. Sting grabs Matthews, throws him to Black for the tag. Sting and Black are now face-to-face. -face. The crowd goes crazy. They start exchanging some huge strikes. Sting with the double leg and the scorpion death lock gets locked in. Running pump kick, but Buddy, uh, or by Buddy, but Sting, well, he screams in his face. A kick by King. Sting isn't phased. He totally no-sells that. Tags Darby in and a coffin drop with a two count. Pump kick by Miro to King. Miro follows Black to the floor, chases Matthews, but Matthews ends up catching him in the stomach with Sting's bat as Miro goes face to face, or face first, that is. I guess he did go face to face into the steps. Over the top, stunner by Darby to Matthews. A low suicide dive by Darby to King. Black is back in the ring with Sting, but Sting blows the mist into Black's eyes. Yes, you didn't see that coming. Last Supper by Darby and a one, two, three on Black. Darby Allen, Sting, and Miro get the win. Interestingly enough, Malachi Black takes the, the pin. And I had seen that, uh, uh, according to the rumors that are floating around, as I look uh, over to my other screen, that Malachi Black has been granted his release from AEW. Mm. I know he had uh, made a request a couple months ago, and supposedly it had gotten better, but... Yeah, that's a that's a shame. And it, it sounded like part of it was not that he was unhappy necessarily with AEW, but more of a need some time away from professional wrestling kind of thing. So I, I'm, I'm disappointed um, that maybe gone. I was enjoying him in the run with House of Black and was kind of excited once he got Brody King. It's like, OK, this is a faction that could go somewhere and such. So. Um, yeah, so sad, sad to hear that, but yeah, he uh, apparently blew a kiss and then bowed on his way out. Hmm. Take that as you will. That match was 12 minutes, 10 seconds. <clears throat> and now you know what that means. I, I do. But if I say it, then you're just going to repeat it. So <laughs> Howard blues, there's been enough talk. It's time for the main event. Of course, my name's Mark. I can say that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can say it too, Howard, but yeah, I'd probably say it after you said it. I, listen, I, I get it. It's fun to say. I, you know, I, <laughs> it, it, I, I, I get it. I, I, can, I can live with that being your shtick. Um, that, that's I fine. I can't claim it as my shtick. I kind of stole it from Mark Henry. <clears throat> yes, but I mean, at least of us doing it on this show, you you can have it. You, you, <laughs> okay. yours. Great, thanks. <clears throat> so, as if there was any question of who I chose in this match, of course it would have been John. No, I'm. I can't even say it. CM Punk. I chose CM Punk. Mm. You, you know, Kidder. Um, I, I mm. would also choose CM Punk. Um, would you? I would actually. Yeah. I, I would. I, 
I, I would, because I think, truthfully, I feel like his title run was cut short by the whole foot injury. I like to think that there's more. Plus, there was all the rumors about John Moxley not liking what was you know scheduled to happen at All Out, so that would make sense that it's Punk getting the title. Plus, it's Chicago, so everything tells me I should choose Punk. But damn it, Kidder, we have a tie, and I hate has <laughs> ending on a tie. So for the sake of drama, I'll take Moxley. Wow, drama. Wonderful. <clears throat> okay. So here we go. 19 minutes, 55 seconds for this singles match for the AEW World Championship. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, good. So here we go. CM Punk, he comes out to the ring first because he's the challenger. And guess what? He's got the long boys on. That's right. He's wearing wearing the pants, the Chicago style pants, and they're white, which is interesting. The uh, blue line and the red stars down the side. Crowd goes nuts, of course. But what's interesting is that uh, there were actually some mixed chants going on so there are a lot of mox fans and a lot of cm punk fans it's kind of surprising but at the same time not really so mox comes out <clears throat> he he's given a bunch of fans the finger the fans are giving him the finger he's re ready to get into a fight before he even gets the ring they make it to the ring justin roberts does his uh pre pre uh, match introductions they show the belt. Ding, ding, ding. Here we go. Punk goes right at Mox. Early offense, some knees right from the start, like I said. But Moxley responds with some forearms. Now there's a high kick by CM Punk and another high kick. And then a running knee into the corner. And then backs it up and another running knee. Guess what? GTS... Boom! Hits the GTS on Mox. One, two, no! Moxley kicks out at a very close, close two count. Moxley then rolls to the outside by a little bit of time. Punk follows with the Tope Suicida. Both men are now fighting through the crowd. Yes, they started uh, into the crowd as CM Punk threw Mox over the barricade. The ref starts following him, and... This kind of agitates me, and I'm sure it would agitate you being a former wrestling official yourself. <clears throat> There's no counting. The ref's just following him around. What's your feeling on that? You know, especially when there's no step. You know, there's no stipulation on this match that says that it's a false count anywhere. It's no DQ. It's anything that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, to watch professional wrestling, everybody has to, you know, uh, suspend some of your disbelief, right? You know, but part of what makes that easier is that there's a set rules that people are following. You know, so I, I hate when they break the rules. I hate when they do things like this. And 
it's like if it's the count on it should be count. If you want to go out into the crowd, I mean, how hard is it to, you know, have an announcement before the match? You know, you know this. this now, uh, no, no count out or falls anywhere match or. <clears throat> Right. And just like, I mean, the, the audience there would, I mean, they would, I'm guaranteed, go nuts if all of a sudden their basic match that they thought they were going to get all of a sudden turns into something like that. And you don't necessarily need to do a ton of spots with something like that. You know, like it's not like you have to go, well, it's no DQ, so we're going to go full hardcore. Not necessarily, but it, you know. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad that we got that expert analysis on how the bad officiating took place. <laughs> I try. I try. On this little sleep, I try. <laughs> Perfect. <clears throat> so, they go do their shenanigans out in the crowd, out and around. And I mean, we would have been at, I don't know, 182 count by the time they made it back toward the ring. So... Punk ends up tossing Moxley back over the guardrail and right into the steel steps. A GTS attempt by Punk on the outside, but Moxley is able to get out the back, tosses Punk face first into the ring post on the outside, and busts Punk wide open. He's bleeding all over. Moxley then focuses his attack on the face with the elbows and fists. Moxley then... <laughs> He has a bunch of blood from CM Punk all over his hand. He he licks the blood off his hand. Yeah. Punk is uh, really bleeding, and the uh, ref actually checks on him and probably puts some Vaseline or something on there to get a little coagulant because he was gushing. So <clears throat> Moxley starts taunting Punk. Punk uh, starts getting blasted with some strikes, doesn't have an answer uh, at this point, mounted elbows in the corner by Moxley and Punk starts getting some energy and chops back. But Moxley kicks the leg out and then delivers a few more giant chops. Woo. Punk reverses Moxley and delivers a running knee strike in the corner before looking for a bulldog. But Moxley holds on and hits a shin breaker on Punk's bad leg. Moxley's now looking for the single leg crab after stomping on Punk's reassembled ankle. Single leg crab by Moxley. Punk gets the ropes, but Moxley looks for the heel hook. Punk goes to the eyes to force Moxley to release the hold. A dragon screw by Moxley and now into the figure four. Punk fights out of the figure four eventually, but Moxley hits a short angle pile driver, gets a two count. Moxley's looking for a pile driver on the apron, but Punk reverses into a diving arm ringer that drops Moxley face first onto the apron. Punk boots a charging Moxley and throws him shoulder first into the ring post. Uh, now wrist control by Punk and then some head stomps. Anaconda vice by Punk. Moxley grabs eyes, uh, Punk's eyes to try and escape. And, uh, well doesn't quite happen right away but he gets out eventually it's a couple seconds later okay punk evades the charging clothesline hits a leg lariat 
body slam by Punk, who looks to head up to the top, goes to the high rent district. Savage elbow drop by Punk, but Moxley moves his hips and catches Punk in a rear naked choke. An arm drag by Punk, who targets the straight arm bar. Moxley sits through and snags a bulldog choke. Moxley transitions to the ankle lock. Punk gets to the ropes. Count breaks. Or the hole breaks, I should say. German suplex by Moxley and a high kick then by Punk. King Kong lariat by Moxley folding CM Punk in half. Exchanging straight the rights and lefts now. A swinging neckbreaker by Punk. Punk attempts to do the uh, GTS, but Moxley plants him with the Death Rider. Two count. <clears throat> More 12-6 elbows by Moxley before locking in the Bulldog choke. Punk gets up. GTS. Moxley rebounds off the ropes, falls on Punk's back. Punk holds up. Gets him again. Boom! Another GTS. One, two, three. Three, your winner and new AEW World Heavyweight Champion, CM Punk. There it is. That was uh, 19 minutes, 55 seconds for a singles match there. Yeah. Um, and as a outcome kind of as i expected with them being in chicago and i i think that there was more of punk's title reign that they wanted to do so but i i will say kidder i i do think that this whole interim title thing i do think it works i you know Mm-hmm. Because it gave him a nice storyline for when he came back. He had a legitimate challenger, and it wasn't it wasn't the usual thing that you get from WWE, where it's like so and so comes back and he starts attacking somebody, and it just seems random and very vicious. And he's like, "Oh yeah, that's right." Like ten months ago, <laughs> he's the one who injured him. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. You know, I I get where that would make sense in a thing, but it's usually so forgettable that. Like nobody remembers that. Yeah. Whereas this, you know, I I feel like it gave some, you know, a nice bit of stakes to this whole thing and, and such. So I like stakes. Stakes are good. Stakes are good. Interestingly enough, uh, CM Punk's got the title. You know, he's looking at it. And, of course, he's just uh, got the crimson mask. So he's he's all bloody. <clears throat> he's celebrating with the music playing and everything, and then all of a sudden lights go out. It's pitch black. Hmm. Then some audio starts playing. It's a voicemail from Tony Khan. He's saying that uh, he'll put the uh, person that he's leaving the message for into the casino ladder match at All Out. And then there's some static and there's a punk clip from way back in his Ring of Honor days saying, the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world he didn't exist. And some static. And then it shows the guy who was in the casino ladder match earlier in the night from behind. You know, the black suit and the mask. 
takes the mask off, and you can immediately tell, at least I could immediately tell who it was from the haircut. And then the scarf gets put on, and he turns around. Yes, it is Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF has returned. Then it cuts back to the arena as the lights come up a little bit and MJF's theme and uh, visuals start. MJF comes strolling out. He's up there on the ramp flipping everybody off. Looking at CM Punk, yelling at him, flipping him off. CM Punk puts the title up over his head. And then again, MJF continues to flip off the fans. And uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. It's a great night, Chicago. We'll see you Wednesday night for Dynamite. Good night, everybody. And there you go. Your uh, thoughts on uh, a little bit of a swerve there at the end, huh? Um, it, yeah. Um, it makes sense that he's back and um, such, and uh, you know, a nice, a nice way to do it. And look, hey, you've already built in Punk's next uh, program, so um, it'll be good. It'll be interesting to see how this uh, this pans out. So, yeah, mm -hmm. very good. Um, is there a total runtime? Does it give me? Nope, it does not give me the total runtime. But if you do the math, I mean, we're sitting from <clears throat> right at uh, six o'clock central time until uh, when did I send you that? 10 40? <laughs> Something like that. Something so, I mean, like that. Yeah, because the main event started at 10.31 Central Time. And it went for 19 minutes and 55 seconds. So when they went off the air, meh. There you go. Some quick math. Uh, let's see. Just as a, a quick note as well, it was advertised uh, during this show that coming up in November... In fact, November 19th, to be exact, it is AEW Full Gear. And that will take place <clears throat> at uh, the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. And the tickets will be going on sale sometime in the near future. And no, I will not be going to that one this year because New Jersey. <laughs> It was fun to go to Full Gear last year. It was a really good show. Would have been fun to go to Double or Nothing in Vegas to watch CM Punk win the AEW World title. But I got to see Hangman Page win the AEW World Championship from Kenny Omega. And then, of course, got the chair that's signed by both of them. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Well, uh, Kidder, if uh, people have been looking at the scoreboard, uh, and of course, everybody knows um, because of the tie that we had going into that final match, Kidder, with your pick of CM Punk, you take tonight as the victor. 
with hey. a uh, score of 10 to my 9. So, thanks, good bit of punk. Yep, <laughs> a good, good bit of predictions and, you know, some drama in there and such. And, and one uh, missed match. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, Kidder, any last final thoughts? <clears throat> I, I I still wish that they would have this on a Saturday because them starting the show later and having so many matches just feels very, very, very long. And then, of course, on top of it with yesterday's WWE premium live event clash at the castle, you know, I'm not complaining for getting... Uh, 11 or 12 hours of wrestling content in two days, but having them a week apart would have been better. And again, having the events on Saturday night would be better, even better. Now, with tomorrow being Labor Day, that's fine because we don't have to work tomorrow, thankfully, but if this was a normal Monday, which it would be normally, both of us would be agitated because it's almost 1 a.m. And uh, I agree with all that, Kidder. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is I, Future Howard, here with Future Kidder, interrupting ourselves with some breaking news. Uh... Partially, this is because, Kidder, we finished talking about um, AEW is all out and called it a night and we're ready to go. And, uh, you know, you and I don't usually sit through the media scrum because, damn it, the show ends at 11 and we have this show to do. And there's just no point in us uh, really hopping in. Mm -hmm. uh, but this time, seems like we missed out on some action. And uh, we missed we out real time, yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we, we wanted to pop in here because luckily I hadn't gotten this far in editing where the video was done for this. So we could hop in and share some thoughts about the, uh, the media scrum and what occurred. So, um, Kidder, I don't know if you want to break down what happened or oh, want me yes. to. We, we, can, we can both break it down. Really, uh, I had continued on with my evening after we were done and then got ready for bed. And I'm like, you know, there was that media thing that happened. Let me check it out. Just just see what, what it was. And uh, I, I tuned in and, and this is what I saw. And I'm like, oh, what is this? Oh, it's CM Punk and... Uh, he is not holding any punches. He is not using future Howard sensor button. He's just going, shall we say, all out. And <clears throat> there it is. I mean, that's the, the, the first basic laydown of what happened. So as part of it, he's discussing uh, the, the past issues with uh, Colt Cabana. And I think as part of that, to start out with, the, one of the reporters before this went live 
One of the reporters asked a loaded question, and apparently this reporter is a, a known, alleged known friend of Colt Cabana. Because when this started, I don't know if you noticed that, Howard, but it, it like, there's some audio and like they're already talking, and then the video popped in. Yeah, uh, so the video pops in a little late, and I, I actually got some, um, or listened to some other reports from people who were there, um, and actually, Kinder, there wasn't a question asked. Uh, mm. What actually happened is Tony Khan, who is sitting next to Punk during this, uh, asked for the first question, and Punk immediately said, I got a question, and uh, asked if they if the people in the room considered themselves journalists and then we were off to the races. So there was no loaded question about Colt Cabana or anything like that. Punk came in and was ready to talk about this. He's fed up with a lot of the reporting that has been going on since his uh, promo uh, that went out against Hangman Page. And uh, for those who maybe don't know the whole Colt, Cabana's backstory, uh, the, the simple, simplified version, the Cliff Notes version, uh, is that Colt Cabana hosted a podcast called The Art of Wrestling. Um, when CM Punk left the WWE, he went on The Art of Wrestling and basically did a tell-all, here's why I left, and voiced all of his grievances. And one of these being that he had a staph infection that was misdiagnosed and that he was given a Z-pack, which would not do anything to cure said staph infection. Um, from that uh, particular podcast, uh, WWE doctor uh, Christopher Amon would actually go on to sue CM Punk and Colt Cabana uh, for defamation. Um, he would end up losing that case. However, at some point during the trial, for reasons that have never really been specified, uh, Colt Cabana and um, was dropped from the by the legal team that was representing Punk. Punk had basically it was his lawyers, and Punk was covering all of the costs of their legal defense. And yet, for some reason. Colt Cabana gets dropped, has to find his own lawyer to finish out the trial, and it costs him about $200,000 in legal fees. So, all said and done, after this, Colt Cabana will actually sue CM Punk because apparently CM Punk had a promise to cover all of their uh, all the costs of their legal defense, and Cabana was arguing that that happened. Um, CM Punk would countersue uh, for the $1.25 million that he had paid for their joint legal defense. Um, and this was basically where the two of them stopped being friends. They stopped working together, everything like that. Eventually, they would settle that case with both of them dropping everything um, and, and such. Fast forward to a couple months ago when you had... Uh, CM Punk versus Adam Page, they were gearing up. Uh, Adam Page made reference to Colt Cabana and the reason he wasn't on TV being because CM Punk was there, you know, promo. And it was not a planned line. It wasn't a planned dig. It wasn't anything that anybody had run by Punk. Punk took offense at it. 
And then upon his return from injury, he did his own promo uh, where he called out Hangman Page and then called him a coward when he didn't show up because it was Hangman Page was not scheduled to show up. This has led to a lot of reporting and a lot of reporting on rumors and speculation on that. And uh, all of this is apparently still got punk fired up and that's why he sits down and he is immediately uh dives into him and colt cabana are not friends haven't been friends for nearly a decade and uh that he that he doesn't even really care where colt cabana wrestles because he just doesn't care enough to follow yeah so the the quotes of punk from the aforementioned uh, segment media scrum this is cm punk quote i haven't had anything to do with scott colton for in almost a decade probably wanted nothing to do with him even longer than that it's effing unfortunate that i have to come up here and speak on this when i'm on my time and this is a an effing business why i'm a grown-ass adult and i decided not to be friends with somebody is nobody else's effing business but my friends, if I fall backward, will catch me. Scott Colton, I felt, never would have. My problem was I wanted to bring a guy with me to the top that did not want to see me at the top, okay? You call it jealousy. You call it envy, whatever the F it is. My relationship with Scott Colton ended long before I paid all of his bills. I have every receipt. I have every invoice. I have every email. I have the email where he says, and I quote, I agree to go our separate ways. I will get my own lawyer and you don't have to pay any more. That's an email I have. And the only reason the public did not see is because when I finally had to counter sue him through discovery, we discovered he shared a bank account with his mother. That's a fact. As soon as we discovered that fact, and we subpoenaed old Marsha. He sent the email. Oh, can we please drop all this? Now it's 2022. I haven't been friends with him since at least 2014, late 2013. And the fact that I have to sit up here because we all have we have uh, irresponsible people who call themselves EVPs. I couldn't effing manage a target and they spread lies and BS and put into the media that I got somebody fired when I have F all to do with him, want nothing to do with him, do not care where he works, where he doesn't work, where he eats, where he sleeps. And the fact that I have to get, get up here and do this in 2022 is effing embarrassing. And if y'all are at fault, F you. If you're not, I apologize. There's a little yeah. bit more, but that's basically the nuts and bolts of the entire conversation. Yeah. And uh, for those who maybe don't know what he means by EVPs, um, which Kidder, I'll, I'll admit, you know, I, I used to watch a lot of like ghost hunting shows and EVPs are what they call the little voices you catch like on the recorder amongst the static. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about executive vice presidents. Um, and it's, it's basically your Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Hangman Adam Page. Um, used to be Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is now in WWE, no longer in that position. But that's who he's referring to is basically the elite. Mm -hmm. He goes on to say, quote, 
what did I ever do in this world to deserve an empty-headed, effing dumb F like Hangman Adam Page to go out on national television and effing go into business for himself? For what? What did I do? Didn't do a goddamn thing. End quote. Yeah. So, really, he's taking some some shots at the EVPs. What's interesting during this kidder, um, everybody's kind of focused on punk and what's going to occur after this, which we'll get into. Um, my thing is, and I, I just watched uh, the scrum that you have on um, earlier today. It's kind of interesting. There are times where you can see Tony Khan kind of nodding to this and not necessarily when it gets to the EVP stuff there. He's kind of, he's professional enough, but when punk says, you know, it's embarrassing that I have to be out here talking about this, you can kind of catch Tony nodding as in Tony gets it. And that punk is frustrated with this situation and not wanting to talk about it and not wanting to deal with it. Um, and, and you, you know, I can understand that. I can understand there's some frustration. I mean, especially when you get somebody like um, MJF who returned at this and you had this great ending to this pay-per-view and then this is brought up and this is what he has to focus on and uh, the stuff to come. <laughs> so Now people are calling for him to resign or get suspended and different things. And then uh, uh, aside from that allegedly there was a backstage assault where Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks sought out CM Punk and uh, Mr. Steel. Yep. So, and and when we get into this, um, some things, some things can be confirmed. Some things cannot be confirmed. Nobody can tell you who threw the first punch. There's differing stories about that. What we can confirm, CM Punk pet punched Matt Jackson. We can confirm that. Uh, we can also confirm that Ace Steel came to the defense of CM Punk, that he hit Nick Jackson with a chair. Hmm. Uh, he also uh, bit Kenny Omega, and he also pulled Kenny Omega's hair. Uh, if you're wondering who Ace Steel is, Ace Steel is a producer on AEW, so he helps with the production of the matches and things like that. Um, he is a longtime friend of CM Punk and actually one of the guys who trained CM Punk. So very strong relationship there. Um, and part of the He's reason, if you're wondering last week's dynamite, if you want to actually see him. Yeah. Um, also, uh, a steel's wife who actually also has a broken foot, which I thought was an interesting hmm. kind of thing. Uh, apparently she was watching, uh, Larry CM Punk's dog. Well, which he did successfully, except for the one part where Larry got loose and ran out into the arena at the beginning of the show ah. and uh, received a very large pop. So, but otherwise, uh, so she was in the dressing room, but we haven't heard her story. But though that's, that's what we can confirm. But there are differing stories about who threw the first punch and how it started. So just to make that clear, we don't know. But, you know, hard to say. I'd say there's a lot of people who are probably in the wrong with this. You know, if you're Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, and I understand what CM Punk said is hurtful. Um, you know, you, you came in and you confronted him. Three on one. You know, that's not gonna that's not gonna improve anything. That's gonna escalate the situation. Um, 
don't know what was said, things like that. Um, but yeah. Um, gosh, what else was there? Um, a couple other things that if you watched the whole scrum, you might have picked up on. Um, because Tony Khan stays at the scrum the whole time. Uh, after CM Punk, it was uh, Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee were the next two. And uh, there is a clip out there where you can see in the background where a security guard goes running. That's when the altercation uh, supposedly started. Uh, the other thing is at the end of Chris Jericho's uh, section of the scrum, uh, he leans in, gives Tony Khan a hug, and uh, kind of whispers in his ear, shit has gone down. <laughs> um, basically, that's the first that Tony Khan learns about any of this. Um, but there are some rumors out there. Uh, there were rumors that Hangman Page was involved. There was rumors that FTR was involved. Um, those have been confirmed not to be true. Both FTR and Adam Hangman Page had already left the arena when this altercation had broken out because they weren't scheduled for the scrum. So when their matches were over, they showered, got dressed, and left. So they weren't there. But there were some early rumors that said they were involved. Um, just to clear those up. With all this, uh, Kidder, by the time this episode comes out, uh, Dynamite should be kicking off later tonight. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what the fallout is. Um, some of the speculation that I've heard is that we probably won't get anything from Tony Khan. Um, he tends to be a little bit more of a, let's get all the pieces to the puzzle together before I react to these things, uh, such as like the Jeff Hardy incident. Um, you know, he, he waited and to the point where people were like, is Tony, are they, is AEW going to do anything about this? It's because Tony Khan was getting all the pieces together, figuring out the puzzle and figure out what he wants to do. And I, I think you're going to see the same thing happen. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on dynamite tonight. Um, with this, all that said, Kidder, what are your thoughts? What is your opinions on this whole situation? I know you're a, a diehard CM <laughs> Punk guy. So mm -hmm. it's probably kind of hard to come at this unbiased. Uh, mm -hmm. But 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 what is your your general thoughts and opinions on this situation? Well, to to add on to part of the fallout is uh, Bobby Fish challenged CM Punk to an MMA match uh, as his contract is done uh, with AEW. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, I watched. <laughs> This sorry, sorry. I'm laughing at that because Bobby Fish is so prone to injuries. I if I were him, I wouldn't I wouldn't risk it in an MMA fight. Guy's kind of a glass jaw. I like Bobby Fish, but uh he's he's had a lot of injuries. Yeah. So sorry. Just the thought of that struck me as funny. <clears throat> I mean that's that's kind of how it goes, right? Um as I watched this. You know, I don't want to say live, but I mean, I, I watched the entire thing through and there's a lot of it going on. You know, I follow at least two wrestling pages that share this commentary to some degree of the, you know, rumors. Oh, I can confirm this is going to happen. I can confirm that so-and-so did this, whatever. And this is a perfect example of there's so much information with more disinformation that's out there of confirmed things that happened. The Like all of us who are speculating and watching this, 
we weren't there, you know, uh, unless there's video of the entire event. We don't know completely what was said backstage. We don't know what happened. Clearly, we don't even know who threw the first punch, apparently, right? So <clears throat> there, there's all of this uh, info that we don't have. We don't have a bunch of pieces to the puzzle to put together. You know, what, what did Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks end up saying to CM Punk? What did CM Punk say back? Because we already know that he's not going to take the crap, and he's done dealing with the stuff that he's been annoyed with for eight years. So if you're at that point where clearly he is on a televised program uh, of the media scrum and he's dropping F-bombs like they're going out of style, it doesn't matter because apparently, you know, whether what was said, what was asked, let's just go, you know, all the millennials, let's go. Okay, well... <laughs> They went, and now we are going. And just because the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega didn't like what he had to say, because obviously they're treated like royalty at AEW, the pillars of AEW, and I don't think any of the three of them are nearly as good as they're brought up to be. I think they're all mid-level talent. CM Punk, obviously, I think that he's better than them. Is he the greatest wrestler that ever lived? No. Is he really good? Yeah, I think so. I enjoy watching his matches. He's got to work on some stuff now with his recent injury, so then he gets better. But that's a process. Uh, if I wanted to watch a bunch of super kicks, I'd just go watch a couple Shawn Michaels matches and then I'm good. You know, the, they're the young bucks and Kenny Omega. I haven't seen them reinvent much of anything since they started. I'm not overly a fan of them. Now I don't really care if they're there or not. I'll watch their matches. I mean, I have Kenny Omega's autograph, right? So it's fine, but I'm not like, yeah. <clears throat> and this sort of extra drama, it's the kind of crap that I don't think needs to be in the ring or in the locker room or on the roster at all. People are t you know, talking about Punk needing to, needing to get fired. Maybe they should fire the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. Or just the Young Bucks. Right? I'm not saying that Punk isn't completely innocent in any of it. But at the same time, though, uh, like you said, the other three of them sought CM Punk out specifically because they got their panties twisted over what he said on the media scrum. Okay. Maybe they had an opportunity because they won the trios titles. Maybe they could have come on here at a later point and, and go, yeah, all of that's bullshit. I mean, there's a lot of corroborating evidence for CM Punk with all of his legal documents that he has to show the truth behind it. So you can't really argue with the truth of what happened. 
And just because you're pissed doesn't mean that you're right. So again, straighten out your panties, calm yourself down, go take a puff on your douche flute and deal with it. Yeah. I, you know, I, so a couple of things, um, you know, and part of this, it's stemming back, you know, this is going back a couple of years. So it's not like any of this is like new stuff, right? At least the whole stuff with Colt Cabana. And I get that. Um, I, you know, I, I will disagree a little bit. I, Bucks and Kenny Omega, I think, I think they are very talented. And I think that they have done a lot to bring AEW into creation. So I will give them that. Um, they've, they have had good matches. Uh, but I, I do think that this is... I, I, I'll put it this way. I see this in my professional life every now and then, Kidder, where people get promoted. And it's this, I'm promoted. And I'm still, you know, in this case, a wrestler. I'm still this, but now I'm a wrestler with power. In my case, it's, you know, like I'm an interpreter, but I'm now an interpreter with power. And it, it you know, if they've never had that management or that sort of skills, it, it, it never really plays well because it kind of comes off to, well, I'm just going to tell you what I want you to do. And you're going to do it because I'm now the boss, you know, and, I think you get a little bit of this. I mean, that's why like WCW imploded, right? You had too many guys in there who were like, well, I got booking power. I have creative control. I can do this. I can do that. I can do this. And we saw what happened to WCW. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think there's a lot kind of to it. And, and with all of this, I, I'm sure we'll probably learn more. Um, I don't really want to see anybody fired over this. There's probably some suspensions that'll happen. And that's probably justly deserved um, on all sides, you know, but it wouldn't be bad for CM Punk to take a little bit of time off to continue to heal his foot um, and such. Um, and it, it is. Rumors, I, I, oh, mm-hmm. You go ahead. I, I was just going to say that the, one of the rumors is that uh, yeah, CM Punk was allegedly injured, but you can't confirm that yeah um so we could see what happens with that um there's a lot there's a lot i think to this um i mean he definitely is upset with hangman page i think he also feels like he's been trying to be a veteran and give advice uh to hangman page and to the other evps and they just aren't listening to him and i think he's kind of frustrated with that and it's not just him. I think he, he sees other legends kind of giving them, you know, advice and it not going. And I, I, I get that. Again, it's that, you know, it's that wrestler with power. You know, I'm, I built AEW. I can, you know, who are you to tell me what to do? It's also, I don't, I haven't been following, um, being the elite, which is the Young Bucks YouTube channel that they do with Kenny Omega, that's kind of it's a little bit parody of wrestling, but they also kind of deal with some of the issues of what's going on on the week to week. And he um, Punk did make a reference to it about the things that they are doing on 
being the elite and how it's it's ruining things and not allowing them to make money and burying people. So that was kind of an interesting thing that he brought in being the elite as well. So uh, really get her, I think a lot to unpack and I think we're going to be unpacking more about this in the weeks to come uh, as we go through this. So that's a, that's a fact there. Howie yeah. Jack. <laughs> um, yeah. Probably uh, tonight's dynamite. Uh, according to other reports, that nobody who is involved will be at that show. Will it be true? Uh, we'll find out uh, at tonight's tonight's show. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It'll it'll be interesting, Kidder. It'll be interesting. Any last thoughts before we kick it back to our past selves to wrap this show up? <clears throat> I mean, this. Uh, it seems like a media outlet, you know, uh, the time and place was clearly here. Should it have happened? Eh, maybe not. Was it entertaining? I thought so. Just because a bunch of people got pissed off because, you know, don't talk bad about me. Eh. All right, grow up. You're, you're on an international television product. You probably shouldn't have that thin of skin if you're going to be in the business for any longer. But uh, again, we'll figure that out as time goes on and uh, we'll keep our eyes on all of the rumors and share as much as we can. The only other interesting thing that I noticed was, uh, as you have, if you made it this far in the show, you heard earlier about the potential of Alistair Black or Malachi Black no longer being with AEW. Well, AEW has removed his likeness from their website and uh, their web uh, properties. So uh, you're no longer able to find malachi black on the aew sites kind of confirming that he's no longer with the company yeah well uh my last kind of thought on this kidder um is that uh there's a lot of people who are trying to say that this is a work that this is all planned uh it's not a work um this is this is raw emotion and this is this is drama, and I, it'll be interesting to see how Tony Khan handles this situation and what comes out of it. But, Kidder, I would be remiss if we did not talk about the most important fact that we learned from the media scrum that I have seen no coverage on, but that we should talk about or at least mention for our good audience in case you missed it in all of the coverage. Sparkling water? No. Hmm. What would that be? That CM Punk won the title while wearing Danhausen's boots. Ah, uh, yes, yes, I remember him talking about that because uh, the size ten Danhausen boots fit like a glove, but the size twelves that he purchased were too tight, and he can't find the right boot. And that damn it, now he owes Danhausen more money. <laughs> yep. So that's our takeaways from this. Continue tuning in to Beer Blues and BS to uh, hear more as we learn more. But until then, back to past us. And uh, we've been talking for quite a while, and um, I'm fully exhausted and tired. So 
Uh, as we've started doing as a kind of tradition on these wrestling shows, since Kidder does all of the talking because he does all such a great job <laughs> recapping the matches. Oh, thanks. Here, here comes another Howard attempting to do cheap plugs. Yeah, and, we'll, and we'll start with our home in cyberspace. That's right. BeerBluesBS.com. It's our website. It's where you can find links to other great things that you may want to click on. Like if you want to buy us a beer, that's a link you could click on. And uh, you know, it's it's cheap. In fact, when uh when I when I set it up, Kidder's like three dollars for a beer, Howard. That's cheap. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. But hopefully that means people will buy more of them. So feel free to, to buy us a beer. You can put in a message, a comment, and hey, we'll even share it on the air. So it's your chance to get interactive with the show. Besides that, another link you will find on that website of beerbluesbs.com is one to our merch store. We have all sorts of merch up there. We got glasses. We got shirts. We got sweatshirts. We got hoodies. For a while, we had yoga pants. I think we might still have yoga pants. Regardless, all sorts of things on there, all sorts of funny slogans, things we've said on our shows, or just things that we think are funny. And uh, yeah, go out. It's a great way to support the show and get some nice sweet threads that you can use to show your love and support of Beer Blues and BS. Hey, if you want to not be on our main website at beerbluesbs.com, maybe you want to check us out on Facebook. You can do that. We have a page over there. Make sure that you hit likes, that you can follow along, because every now and then we post some extra things. Hey, did you know that before both of these shows, Kidder put up posts that invited you to participate in the predictions? You could do it if you wanted. So, you know, it's a reason to check in, look in, share some comments, your thoughts. You never know. We might actually read them on the show. Try us. We might just do it. It'd be great if you comment, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, of course, we started this podcast as an audio endeavor. And for that reason, you can find us on pretty much every audio platform out there. I say pretty much everyone because I'm sure there's some little tiny third party one that I don't know about. And therefore, we're not on it. But if it's one of the major ones, say like Spotify, Pandora, iArt. Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, FM, any of these, you can find this show, Beer, Blues, and BS. It's great, especially if you have a lot of road trips and, uh, you know, you need something. In fact, Kidder, I was actually listening to Beer, Blues, and BS on my last road trip. Woo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was great. We were trolling Big D. It was a great episode. <laughs> so which, you too. time? <laughs> Does it matter? They're all good. It's like Lane. Mm -hmm. Yes. So if you want to take us with you, just go out to your favorite podcasting service and search for Beer Blues BS and make sure to subscribe so that you get those sweet downloads when they come out every week. But maybe, maybe you're more of a visual person. You're like, I, I like listening to these guys, but it'd be great if I could see their handsome faces. Well, you can do that. We do post these up on YouTube. That's right. You can see us in our own action, the faces that we make, the edits that our editor, Future Howard, puts in, and sometimes other fun factoids and things like that. You can find us on YouTube at Beer 
clues and bs just make sure you like you know you, you subscribe that that's always good and make sure you share that's as we always say here we are sharing the misery together with all that said i'm howard blues he's the man the myth the legend the mark getter folks keep your glass at least at least half full you know of a sweet beer something drinkable not the usual trash i drink on this show uh this just in there will be free beer tomorrow so look forward to that and uh hey if you ever find yourself walking down a dusty lonely tuscan highway hey we might just find you there with that good night everybody you have been listening to a ua production of beer blues and bs if you enjoyed the show help others find out about it by rating the show or leaving a review at your podcast listening service of choice thanks for listening and may your glass never be empty UA Productions presents A Glimpse Behind the Curtain. You know, Kidder, uh, I, when I got your text earlier today with the match card, mm-hmm. counted and there was like 16 matches. Mm-hmm. I died a little inside. Wonderful. <clears throat> that's, that's how it goes. Yep. Because the kids were a bit chaotic last night, so I only got like four and a half hours of sleep. Awesome. It's going to be just like uh, last night's. Yeah. And if you missed last night, make sure you visit it. On our YouTube page, so you can see the full agony. Is this a cheap plug outside of the original show? Don't tell me we've stooped to that low. I don't think it's our first time, but why not? 